Stand with me this morning. She's taller than me. I'll tell you, I must have made an adjustment to make it equal. Um, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 1. And um, I want to say a couple of things. First of all, uh, we're talking about marriage, have been talking about marriage. Um, and, and there's a reason why I, I feel like in my heart, God has been talking to me about the strength of a church. Thank you, Christopher. Can we tell Chris thank you for all he does? Come on. This morning, I didn't hardly know what to think about him. He came in in blue jeans. I think Chris sleeps in a suit. He looks good this morning. He worked so hard, and I want him to know how grateful I am for all he does. And uh, he serves in such uh, amazing ways. We have so many wonderful people on our team. Can we thank God for our leadership team, all of our pastors and administrators, staff? Y'all are the best. You're just the best. And Devin and I couldn't have done it all these years without an amazing team. And uh, we couldn't do it today, and we can't do it tomorrow. So we're very grateful for all that our team does and uh, your, your unsung heroes. And to Devin and I, we're forever grateful. I, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 1, and uh, I want to continue. Chris, we need to buy Devin a new Bible. It's falling apart. I lost the page. I have 72 Bibles. Give her one of mine, please. Um, I'm embarrassed to be seen with you. I cannot believe you would come to the pulpit. I'm kidding. It's a joke. Okay. Um, Genesis chapter 1 is where I want us to go. I really felt like God has been dealing with us about the marriage situation, even in the middle of 90 days of God's presence being poured out, because you can't really claim that you're in revival if the only place you're having it is in the church. How many know that God wants you to have awakening and just his presence moving even when you're at home in your house when it's just you and your family? Ephesians chapter 6 begins talking about children. And it says um, that children should honor their mother and father. In Ephesians chapter 6, this is the first commandment with promise. But if you read it in context, the whole speech about children lining up comes after the conversation Paul gives about husbands and wives lining up. You can't get mad at your kids for being dysfunctional if all we ever demonstrate is dysfunctionality. Now, I'm not trying to pry and get in everybody's business, but I, I am praying and I am believing God that in these 90 days, entire households are going to be reset refocused and just catapulted into greatness because I do not want to come to church and fall out, cry, shout, and speak in tongues and you go home dealing with the same old demons and routines that you have been unable to conquer for years. God is getting ready to break in on the chaos and bring some peace into somebody's house. And I believe it's not just going to be a thing of survival. But God is going to help us and show us and, and remind us that marriage is called to thrive, not just survive. So how many believe we're getting ready to go to another level? Say amen. 
I want to start today in Genesis chapter 1. I don't know how long uh, this will go. This may just be today. We'll just see what God is up to. But I do want to talk today about recapturing rhythm in marriage. How many know that God has a rhythm that you and your spouse are supposed to be operating in? Yeah, some of you never heard this before. Um, God has a rhythm intended for every marriage. It's called the rhythm of dominion. I'm going to say that again. God has a rhythm for every marriage. I believe the rhythm is dominion. You're supposed to be walking together in dominion. And how many know that sometimes we don't find ourselves walking together in dominion in marriage? And I want to talk about why that is. Satan hates marriages walking together in dominion. If you don't think Satan hates marriages walking together in dominion, think about two and a half hours ago as you got ready for church, on your way to church, pulling up in the parking lot with them parking people smiling at you and you just got through screaming. Why? And, and I'm not talking about Devin and I because we didn't even drive together. We don't drive together for that reason. We just, we like, we know how to conquer one demon on Sunday. We're not going to drive together. We, we got away for two, three days this past week just to reset and I drove. And there were about seven times I just looked at and said, you want to drive? I'll let you, I'll pull over on the side of this road. And I promise you between that woman on that navigation system and you sitting up over here on my right trying to drive, I, I can't handle no more of this. No, this is not to hang me with. I got a sermon illustration in a minute, okay? All right. Okay. Genesis chapter 1. Let me get into this before any anointing I have lifts higher off of me. Genesis chapter 1, say, recapturing the rhythm. So let's do this today. Let's make up our mind. We're not going to sit here be tense. We're not going to sit here and be miserable, and we're not going to leave early because we're uncomfortable. Just sit here and take it and let the Spirit of God bring you into a place of complete freedom in the mighty name of Jesus. What's that? They're still standing. Oh, see, she's just still. Just, it's okay. Genesis 1.26. Yeah, I don't know either. You want to tell me what? Oh, never mind. Okay. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, over all the earth and everything creeping that creeps on the earth. How many know God gave you dominion over the creeps? <laughs> Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. So let me go back up and make sure you understand something. In verse 26, when God said, let us make man, he was talking about man and woman. Okay? Because some people miss that, and if you miss it, you think Adam was the only one created in the image of God. 
Adam and Eve were both created in the image of God. Can I have an amen? amen? He created man and woman in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28. Then God blessed them. How many know that's good news? God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves on the earth. And for God's word today, we say thank you, Lord. Let's all pray and ask God to help us today. Father, thank you for your word. We pray in Jesus' name for wisdom to teach and to preach and to proclaim and declare and decree and explain. I pray a spirit of revelation would rest upon Devin and I and upon this congregation. Let our eyes be open to the truth of your word. I pray we would be beyond just mere insight, but there would be a spirit of revelation from the Holy Ghost so that we are all drawn closer to you through your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Um, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Amos 3.3. It gives very, very simple, clear, concise requirements for walking together in unity. It says, how can two walk together unless they be in agreement? How many know you cannot walk together moving in um, a like direction you, you, you cannot get to an intended destination unless you are willing to walk together toward that destination in the same direction, walking in rhythm. And there, are, there are reasons why some of us struggle getting places that God has intended for our marriages to go. It's because we're often, often walking in different ways and we're singing different songs and we're dancing the different beats in marriage. And all the single people in the house, will you please make some noise? Okay, so I recognize not everybody's married, but I, but I believe most of those people who just would are intending to get married, and so you need this. Look at everybody next to you, tell them you need this. And if you don't need it today, you might need it next year. Whenever you need it, I prophesy it'll still be good and won't have expired. Because marriage, whether you're in it or about to get in it or you're thinking about it, Marriage is something that I believe, watch this, was blessed by God but challenged by the enemy. And in order for us to understand why the warfare happens in marriage, you must understand marriage happened before the fall but is being lived out after the fall. We often have pre-fall ambitions for our marriages but we're living in post-fall realities. And how many know that sometimes the enemy will challenge everything God intended to do for us, through us, in our marriages, and, and it just seems like there are these irritants that, that at times want to challenge the progress that we make as a couple. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? Now, Devin and I, we will choose to be very transparent today. We, we, we never sit up, here, sit up here and act like we got it all together. And by no means are we teaching on this because we arrived and got a t-shirt, ate a bag of chips, and now we graduated. But I do want to tell you that we've learned some stuff over the 19 years of marriage that we've had. And the first thing I would tell you is if you ever want marriage advice, don't get it from newlyweds. 
I don't mean to disown the newlyweds in the house, but if you're going through hell in your marriage, you don't need somebody that's only been married a couple weeks. You need somebody that has been married decades. That can be like, you know what, we've been there and we've done that and she wanted to leave and I did too, but we stayed in love and it was worth it. How many know what I'm talking about today? So I want to talk today about finding, um, finding rhythm in marriage. Where's LeBron at and Tim? Tim and LeBron, are y'all still here? Are there some musicians? Come, Tim, come, come. And LeBron, someone on the piano? Can you both get, can you get on your instrument, please? We didn't practice this. They're going to be uh, ill with me here. Um, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you both on the count of three. He's going to get his guitar. Okay. You're still giving me instruction, baby. I love it. Okay. On the count of three, I want you both to start playing your favorite song, whatever it is, whatever song you dance to when nobody's looking. <laughs> LeBron, I know what it is for you. And whatever song it is you sing when nobody, I don't care if it's Chris, I don't, what, what, if it's a love song, LeBron, you know you've been singing those songs, getting ready for your wife and whatnot, both of you. And um, on the count of three, I just want you both to start playing your favorite song. Don't talk. Just play your song. Don't talk. Don't communicate. Just play your favorite song on three. One, two, three. Stop. That's what marriage sounds like when you don't talk about marriage. That it didn't even take a course. I didn't even have to. Thank you, bro. You can go sit back down. Come stand out here, both of you. You're both single. Come on, I'm trying to help you right now. Come on, hurry. I don't do this for everybody. I got to love you to do this one. Come on. Come on, hurry. Hurry, hurry. LeBron, you're turning white. Come on, get over here. Walk down off the front of the stage so they see you on your way down. Come on. Let them just. Look. Okay. Just had to get in the light. Had to get in the light. You're living in the light now. You're living in, never mind. Okay. <laughs> marriage, marriage that is happening where there is no communication, it's not that there's not a rhythm in the house. It's just that you're both walking, dancing, and living to two different rhythms. And if you don't communicate, you oftentimes stay out of sync. And I am going to testify and tell you this has been one of the greatest challenges of our life because I am not, contrary to what you might think, I am not a great talker. Now, this is a true story. I am not a great talker. Most psychologists would tell you men have about 20,000 words in their bank to use every day. Women have about 44,000 words. So I use all of my words from 8 a.m. until 4 p.m. And then I come home, she still has a half a tank full of words to talk out. I'm done. I'm actually hoping she can read my mind. Many times she don't read my mind like I'm saying it. 
and I have to continually challenge myself, and she has to continually challenge herself. We have to continually challenge ourselves to communicate. Because if you're ever going to find the right rhythm, you've got to talk about what you're feeling. And you've got a microphone here, baby, so don't just talk in my ear. Talk through the microphone so they can all hold you accountable. I need you to be held accountable today. Even today. <laughs> I did hear him communicate last Sunday that I would be teaching with him today, which was better than the past two times I've been up here. But even today, I'm hearing the information as you are. <laughs> because we hadn't talked about it since last Sunday. reading his mind <laughs> okay so like I was saying how can two walk together unless they be in agreement we we have been on vacation this week so we didn't have a chance to talk about the sermon but the reason I feel so comfortable doing this is because she knows it anyway she reads my mind okay back to this LeBron and Tim <laughs> LeBron and Tim both would argue passionately that their favorite song was their favorite song. But marriage is not about you dancing to your favorite song and your spouse dancing to their favorite song. Marriage is about dancing to a new song. And in order for you to get in a rhythm, you've got to be willing to walk in the spirit. Can you say amen? And I know that we don't like talking spiritual about marriage because we have unspiritualized marriage, we have, in my opinion, over-emotionalized, and we have made marriage, and there is nothing wrong with adding psychological elements and making sure we understand the uh, sociological implications of marriage. And, but listen, marriage was created by God, thus it is spiritual. If you ever try to tackle the issue of marriage without the one who created it, you wander around in utter confusion. Can you say Amen. And so we don't want to walk in confusion. Galatians 5.25 in the New Living Translation says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. How many know that even in marriage we should be following the cues and the direction of the Holy Spirit? And if you're not today, if you're trying to live marriage without God, I know why you are miserable. Marriage was never intended to work without God and Christ being the center of it. And it doesn't work well if it's not that way. So let's go back and look at this very quickly. I just, this is going to be a very quick synopsis. God creates man in his image, puts Adam to sleep, takes a rib out of Adam's side. How many know God took a rib from his side? Come on, God took a rib from his side. I say this in every wedding, wedding I conduct. God did not use a bone from Adam's head because man was never meant to be over woman, over woman and he didn't take a bone from Adam's foot because woman was never meant to be under man. God took a bone from Adam's side. Why can't I find some help in here? God took a bone from Adam's side because woman is supposed to be beside the man. And if you live in an expression of marriage where you, sir, are in the light and she's in the shadow, you have adopted a religious mentality and no wonder why you and everybody in your house is miserable. She was never created to be in the shadow. She was created to be in the light, walking beside you as you both chase the purpose God has created both of you for. 
So God puts Adam to sleep, takes a rib from his side, makes a woman. Adam wakes up, sees a woman laying on the ground, no clothes on. He said, that is good. <laughs> that is good. And the Bible said that the two should leave their mother and father and cling, cleave, be bound together. Right? And God looked at that and said, this is good. End of chapter 2. Open to chapter 3, verse number 1. Now the serpent was the most subtle beast in the garden. On the heels of God creating something very good came a sneaky, slimy, subtle, deceptive, slithering serpent. How many know that the serpent reminds us of the attack on marriage? You can't, you can't miss this. That God created something that was very good. Watch this. And he gave it dominion. He gave man and woman together dominion. They were walking in a rhythm in the garden of subduing, overcoming the, the everything God had given them. They had dominion over it. God said, be fruitful and multiply. And the very next chapter... The enemy comes in for an attack, and he always comes in for an attack when the two are separated. Be careful how long you let the problems fester because the enemy never comes in when you're walking together. He'll always come in when you're walking separated. Come on in here. David was married and was fine until he left the battlefield and went back to Jerusalem and walked out on his balcony in, in 2 Samuel and he's looking at over, over everything God gave him and while he's looking over everything God gave him, his wife is not beside him and he looks and sees another woman, namely Bathsheba, having a bath on top of the roof with no clothes on. And the Bible said he wanted her and you know the story, he uses his kingly authority to set himself up for one of the most horrific, darkest chapters in his entire life. But it did not happen until the enemy succeeded in separating him. You've got to be careful that you walk together. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? Go ahead, baby. Well, I think it's really good to note, in, um, if you'll get me there, in Genesis chapter 1 that um, when God created Adam, and, and we know it says, we read in our Bibles, he took a rib out of his side, and that's what the story tells us. And it could have been anything, but a lot of theologians believe, there's a sect of theologians that actually believe Adam was one, could even create as one, and that God separated him so that it would take the union again to procreate. Does that make Explain sense? That. He didn't want him to be able to reproduce alone. Kind of like the body of Christ. We all make up that body. So if you really read this passage, then the first birth wasn't a woman with a child. Adam gave birth to Eve. That's why she was called woman. She was bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. Good. So she was taken out of him, meaning when God made Adam, Eve was already in him. And he pulled Eve out of him. So they were already one. They started as one. Mm. And God made the unity a choice instead of a mandate. But it wasn't until they unified again that wow. they could ever recreate the image of God. So Eve's pulled out of Adam, and then the unity becomes a choice. And if they walk in division, they don't reflect the image of God because no procreation can happen. Remember, God is life. God creates. 
But when they choose the unity of the image of God, children come. So the two becoming one flesh is Adam and Eve, but really it's the children. Because can you separate a child? No, when the two become one flesh, no man can separate what God has unified. And the, the picture of a child is a, it's a physical picture of what happens in the spirit when man and woman choose the unity they were originally created in. Does that make sense? And so we got to choose it now. It's all about choice. It's all about will to go back to how we were created to be. Is that okay? That's very good. Remember this, man and woman. Woman is, literally the word comes from the idea of the wound man. That's what W-O-M is in the word woman, the, the wound man. What she said, and I want to make sure I understand this because we've talked about this before, but Adam, many people believe this, that Eve was in him already in terms of in him, but God took it out of him, as you said, to make a choice. But watch this. Adam had initially the ability to reproduce, could have, some people believe this, could have, and God said it wasn't good for him to do that by himself. You have to, that's, that's a powerful thought because in the trinity of God itself, the trinity of God, that's how we all got here. Don't miss this. The, the, the love and the unity between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit the overflow of that was God saying, I want someone to bestow my love upon. There has to be an object on which I can bestow all of my love. We are here because God had so much love, he couldn't keep it for himself. He had to pour it out on us, right? Marriage is an opportunity for us to come into covenant with someone so that we can give someone the love that God has given us. And the only reason we were loved is because God had so much love that the overflow of it caused him to create in his image man. We are loved people who should love each other. Your spouse is an opportunity, sir. I can say this from the man's perspective. Your spouse is an opportunity for you to reveal. You say, Pastor, do you have Bible for this? Absolutely. It's why Paul says in Ephesians 5, Marriage is given so that we understand how Christ loves the church. So this is all about love. Marriage is really all about love. Unity is so important to the nature of God and for his body to show unity. So like Kevin said, the Trinity, we believe in one God and three persons. You know, you teach your kids, it's like an egg with three parts. It's all one, one part, but they flow together in unity, and that's what is reflected in marriage, but even bigger, it's reflected in the body of Christ. It's why every gift in the body is not just in our pastor. God intentionally divided up what this body needs among everyone in here wow. so that we're forced to come together in unity to procreate in the spirit. You know, you cannot produce the kingdom without forced unity, a choice of unity. God will not let one person do it all by themselves. That's good. He will not, not in any way, not in marriage or not just in ministry. Us winning this city is going to take all of us because God intentionally put things in you that's I need good. and things in me you need to make us work together because that's what the Trinity does. No, that's so good. So, so we, we have this beautiful picture of, of marriage in Acts 2, uh, pardon me, I'm always in Acts, Genesis 2, and then Genesis 3, the serpent comes in, twists the truth, tempts Eve, they take the forbidden, 
Marriage, listen, marriage was created before the fall. Marriage was created before the fall. The two becoming one flesh happened before the fall, but now we have to wrestle it out, work it out. And how many know that this is where our pride goes on, um, it, it goes on the stand, and we, we find our greatest weaknesses revealed sometimes in marriage? How many agree with that? That, that Satan will seek to exploit the weaknesses we both bring to the table. But you must understand, God did not bring you together just because of your weaknesses, also Satan tries to exploit them. God brought you together because of purpose and strength. And instead of magnifying each other's strength, we often magnify each other's weaknesses. This plays into the hand of the enemy. This plays into the hand of the enemy. I wrote down somewhere in here, we'll get to it in a minute, but you got to be real careful what you speak to in your spouse. Ma'am, if you speak to the fool in him, the fool will stand up. But if you speak to the king in him, the king will stand up. Y'all not helping nobody in here right now. Sir, if you will speak to the queen in her, the queen will stand up. I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to leave it right there. Uh, you want to say anything on that one? Okay, I didn't think so. Let's, uh, one of the components of redemption, so watch this. When the fall happens, you have marriage created before the fall. Then you have the fall into sin, and sin brings chaos and confusion into the marriage. Look at Adam and Eve after the marriage. Look at the family, the first family after marriage. I mean, it's, it's crazy. You got brothers killing each other. You got chaos and confusion in the room, in the house. And you have to have Seth born and a new beginning. And if you don't think that the fall brings chaos and confusion into relationships, you haven't looked at the cross of Jesus lately. Because the cross of Jesus was not just a vertical beam that got you right with God. But the cross of Jesus had a horizontal beam that redeemed you back to one another because Satan understood if he could divide humanity and especially marriage, he could keep you out of sync and out of rhythm. And you can't get to your purpose, married people, if you're not walking in rhythm together. Satan keeps you out of sync. We're going to talk about what all that means in a minute. I'm just trying to lay a foundation that if you get caught out of sync, You'll never, ever pursue the purpose God put you on this planet for. You will spend your time fighting with someone you were supposed to be celebrating with. Great frustration. Okay, let me back up. So there are four domains. Four, if you're taking notes, write this down. Four domains that come together, at least four. Some of you would argue there's 10. Some sisters in here would argue there are 29. But there are at least four domains that come together in a marriage that require synchronization to the rhythm of the Spirit. If you don't hear anything else we say today, please hear this. I cannot get frustrated with her if I'm only trying to lead her to dance to the rhythm of my favorite song. She cannot get frustrated with me if all she's ever trying to do is make me dance to the rhythm of her favorite song. This is why in marriage, both of you better find a cross and die on it quickly 
so that the spirit can raise up the kind of husband she needs and the kind of wife I need. Are y'all following me? Is that blessing you? You, you caught it. Okay. I mean, not her, but us, people. Okay. Four, four domains that require coming together in synchronization to the rhythm of the spirit. Number one, spiritual rhythm. The Bible says in the book of Corinthians, do not be unequally yoked. How many ever heard that before? Do not be unequally yoked. How many ever been dating somebody and somebody in your church stood up and started prophesying over you and said, thus said the Lord, don't be unequally yoked. Don't marry him. He's not for you. Don't be unequally yoked. He wasn't raised like you. He don't believe like you. I certainly believe you should not marry someone that isn't a Christian. But this scripture is much more than a forbidding of you marrying someone who is not a Christian. This scripture is not just, I don't think God expects a godly woman to marry an ungodly man. I don't even think that deserves a lot of explanation. I don't think a godly man ought to be chasing ungodly women. I ain't getting no help on that. Single people, be careful where you go searching for folk. You can't find them at the hootenanny and then get mad at God that they didn't turn out to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. You got to be careful where you pursue your mate because where you find them might be where you end up with them. Okay? Be careful. So number one, the first domain that requires synchronization and and coming together in the right rhythm is the spiritual rhythm. Say spiritual rhythm. Do not be unequally yoked. That doesn't just mean Christians shouldn't marry non-Christians. The scripture is, this scripture is about pace. Everyone say pace. Because when the Bible starts talking about yoke, what it means is when you come together with somebody, you are jumping in a yoke with them. A yoke is something that you come into together and decide to walk into um, a togetherness with someone and if you get into a yoke with somebody who isn't equally yoked, oh, I wish I had time. Yeah, it's so good. Just, 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 just come with that right there because in every yoke there are two kind of oxen and I'm not just being critical. This is actually what it's called agriculturally. There's a dumb ox and a lead ox. And the dumb ox is only there for its strength. It's never there for its, its leadership or its input. So what you get if you get unequally yoked, and I'm talking to Christians, two Christians who are equally, that, that are in a yoke together, and there's frustration in your house because even though you both love Jesus, you're not walking at the same pace. And if you both love Jesus but are not living for God at the same pace, you can both be on your way to heaven but feel like you're going through hell. Because, because there's nothing like being hungry for Jesus and your spouse love Jesus but don't go to church. Now let me fix that because if you love Jesus, you'll come to church. But some of us are in this room today are married but we're frustrated because so many times, let me speak to the men in this room, it feels like we're having to, sisters are having to pull brothers into um, um, a, a, a spiritual experience. 
And on the other hand, it feels like sometimes brothers are trying to get their wives to get off their back because she don't think he's spiritual if he don't fast 40 days six times a year. And all, all, it's, all this, it's all this tension. Sister, chill out. Brother, come on. That's what I want to say. Sisters, chill out. Don't turn your husband off to God because your controlling spirit, I'm not getting no help right here. You got to learn how to put him in the hands of the Lord. And brothers, you got to learn how to bring the heat. Oh, y'all not helping nobody in here. If your wife is the only one with the prayer life early in the morning, there is something out of order in your house. I need some more men to clap right there. Y'all looking at me like you'd rather be watching a, a basketball game. You are called, sir, to be the spiritual leader of your house. Stop getting mad at your wife that she wants somebody who prays. You ought to be a leader in your home, and God is raising up men in this house who will take their families into the great things God has purposed for their family. Amen. Let me say something to the singles in the room I just felt prompted to say about the yoke. And because I have seen so many times where um, young people will be dating that are not equally yoked. Um, especially, I'll speak to the ladies in the room, and you think you're leading, but you're not. I mean, it's, it's no different than the mindset of the, of the dumb ox. that They think they're leading. They really do think they're leading in their mindset, but they're not. But let me explain something to you. When you're dating, that person you're dating doesn't have any authority over your life. You're just dating, okay? So in a dating dynamic, you may be leading spiritually. You may be the young lady or the young man that's going to church, and they're coming to church because you are, or they're praying because you are, and you feel like you're leading. But the moment you get married, something called spiritual authority comes into play. My, my. And that man is mantled to lead, whether he wants to or not. And the dynamic changes. So it's why we counsel couples all the time. And, oh, it wasn't like that when we dated. And I thought I could save him. But you weren't married then. You, you were judging your marriage based on something where there was, there was no authority over one another. But when you get married, and this is for the men in the room too, you carry a mantle to lead whether you want it or not. And that mantle can be used for good over your wife and your child or children, or it can be used for evil. But there is a mantle that falls over marriage that falls on the man and woman, both roles. And the man is mantled to lead whether he chooses to or not. So if you're single and you're leading now and you're the lady, you better second guess how far you go in that relationship because it will shift when you get married. Yes, and that's good. And since this scripture about being unequally yoked is about pace, here's a good test for all the single sisters and brothers in the house. Take off running as fast as you can after Jesus. Turn around and look at the person you're dating. If they can't keep up with you, keep running and leave them and don't ever stop to try. Y'all not helping nobody right here. And if you can run after Jesus and they can keep up, then that's probably the one you need to buy a ring for. How many in here ever had somebody come to you when you were dating someone? This is for the single people. And they come up to you and say, God showed me I was going to marry you. I had that happen several times. She had that happen several times. There were some people who came up to me and told you other people, not just me. I'm not a false prophet. They were false prophets, but you see what happened. Girl, you better know when God said, God says something, it is so. 
Anyway, um, be careful you don't get witchcrafted into a marriage. Let me take my glasses off and talk right here. Be careful you don't get witchcrafted into a marriage. I've seen people, their mama prophesied them a spouse in their life, and mama just wanted somebody for herself so she could have some grandbabies, but that thing wasn't of God. Don't you marry anybody that you got red flags about. Because if things are slithering in dating, they will manifest completely in your marriage. And I want you to know that just because you marry them don't mean they're going to get serious and it don't mean things are going to evaporate that look like problems. The problem is if you get married to people who you know have problems, the problems don't disappear. The problem is then you can't run from them. So look at somebody who's single, tell them why you can run. Put your Reeboks on and run for your life. Let me go off on it right here. If they can't pay their bills right now, they're not going to be able to support you. Y'all better say something here. If he's 35 and plays video games nine hours a day and don't hold a job, just because he puts your last name, his last name on yours, don't mean, y'all, I'm trying to help you right here. Because many times in the church, we spend our time trying to counsel what should have never had to be canceled. It should have never been created. But because we got the lust of the flesh rather than the mind of the spirit, we want to get married to sanction our sex. And we haven't considered that sex is just a couple of minutes, but marriage is for a lifetime. And you sitting there, y'all not gonna help nobody. I'm being too real, I see. Go ahead, save me. I'm not going to save you. I just want to help those that if you're not married yet, you still have choice. And those that are married, maybe you are already married. And this is like taking your breath away because you realize I am unequally yoked, but I'm already on the other side of that marriage vow. Um, and Kevin can speak to the men. I'll speak to the ladies. You, you, you are still married to someone that's mantled to lead. And... Um, your, your, your weapon is the Holy Spirit. You can't change it. You in yourself can't change it. Not any plan you have or words you say can change it. The mantle to lead is still on him. Your weapon is the Holy Spirit. He is the only one that can change a heart. And I know we could march testimony after testimony up here today where it can happen. So don't lose hope. If you're on the other side, don't sit here today and say, I knew I should have never married him. I give up on my marriage now. No. Nope. A woman can pray and the Holy Spirit can melt the heart of any man. He can mold any heart. And I'm sure it's vice versa. But just know it's not your back. It's God's, and you've got to humble yourself before the Lord and pray and let the Holy Spirit change yes, it. Yes, because the challenging place that we sit in is trying to address single people to keep them from making mistakes and then help those who feel like they're in a marriage that might be a mistake. There are people sitting here today who say, I made a mistake, and the only way out is divorce. The devil is a liar. Just because it ain't easy don't mean that it, ain't, it wasn't God and it isn't God's will now. If you are married, I want you to hear me say this clearly. If you are married, 
I believe with all of my heart it is the will of God to heal the wounds that you have experienced and to restore. There is a reason you got married to him or her. You might have lost that reason in all of the fighting and all the bickering and all of the pain and all of the frustration. You might have forgotten why it is you got married, but God can help you recapture it. God can heal what the enemy has tried to destroy. It will take humility. It will take dying to self. It will take great, great, great humility. But if you will come before God, God can restore and strengthen a marriage. I do not believe it is God's will for us just to stay married and miserable. God wants us to stay married and experience true joy, the kind of joy that exists between Christ and his love for the church. Let me give you some Bible for it. The Lord just prompted me to say, Jacob married Leah by mistake. Mm. But it was Leah's womb that, that God birthed the nations from. So you cannot look at your marriage now and say, oh, it's a mistake. I, I can't explain it theologically. All I can tell you is Judah came out of Leah's womb. My God. Okay, God used the womb of the woman that was not supposed to marry Jacob to birth nation. So God can bring fruit out of a marriage that even today you say, this is a mistake. If you surrender it to the hand of the Lord, he can bring supernatural fruit from it. That's good. Second, we got to move. I, I, we may do two today and two next week. I don't know. Let's just, the, the second rhythm that requires synchronization, this might be the most challenging. Because how many would agree with me, men and women are wired differently? No, sir, it's okay to acknowledge that. She's not going to get mad at you if you acknowledge that. Some guys are in here like this. How many know men and women are wired differently? This, go, this goes back to what I talked about in the beginning. I, I am not a very big on talking. I'm a thinker, right? And most of, the, most of my life I, I spend processing information and processing scripture and, you know, just, and, and sometimes I have to remember my wife, like her love language. How many ever studied the five love languages? Ever heard of that? Okay, five love languages. I'm not going to go through that today, but uh, our friend Gary Chapman did an amazing piece several years ago called The Five Love Languages. Uh, one is quality time. One is words of affirmation. One is um, uh, gifts. Gifts. People who have gifts are like, I'm gifts. Mine is gifts. I like getting things. Physical touch and acts of service. So you got those five love languages and trying to find your spouse's love language is so important. Your children have love language. There's a lot of things that, that we can use from the psychology world to help us understand our spouse. But the reason all that is given and the reason the need for that rose is because there was such a misunderstanding in marriage, even in people in the church, because here's what happens. Most time in church, we get married and we just say, live with it. And we know that God hates divorce, so that's not really an option, although it became an option for a lot of people. Divorce is really not an option, so we just say, get over it and live with it. you got a lot of miserable people sitting in church because divorce wasn't really an option. It was frowned upon, and we didn't really explain how to speak the language that your spouse speaks. So, so we're very different. Devin's love language is words, talking, and acts of service. I have one love language. She has like two or three. Hers are in levels. Mine is all summed up in one, touch. 
touch me. <laughs> and, and let me touch you. Right? That's, that's my, that's my, come on, be real in here, brothers. I don't know one brother in this room who's like, mine is acts of service. Nope. Every brother I've ever counseled is like, I touch. I'm trying to get her to let me touch her and let her touch me. That's just it, right? 99% of men in this room are, are physically oriented. And we got sisters who get really, really bent out of shape with that. And they wouldn't get bent out of shape about him being touch-oriented if he could just get more in rhythm with the fact that she's not. I'm a microwave. She's a crock pot. It's true. I have to tell y'all this. Put your hands down. Let them see you. Come on. I am a microwave. She's a crock pot. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? The sisters are in here like, yes, he's speaking our language only because she told me. I just know that for brothers, we just, it's just, and for sisters, it just, they just want to know you care. You love them. I'll leave it there. Emotional rhythm. Emotional rhythm. There's a scripture here. It's in Romans 12, verse 15. Celebrate with those who celebrate. Weep with those who weep. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony. And be mindful of another's worth as you are your own. There's something powerful in that about the emotional connectivity of man and woman. Brothers, I felt like God spoke this to me as I was just preparing my heart. Sometimes we are aloof. I am. I have to confess to you. Sometimes I am aloof to her emotional place. And when I'm aloof to the fact that she's not in a celebrating place, she's actually in a crying place or had a tough day place. If I don't make an adjustment to celebrate with her when she's celebrating, but also learn how to weep with her while she's weeping, then it just magnifies the, the unsynchronized rhythm that we're in. Brothers, we need discernment. <laughs> like the gift of discernment sometimes, right? Like the Holy Ghost got to help me, Lord. <laughs> Where, what do I do with her? Have you, have you ever been like that, right? I don't know what to say. I don't know how to help her. And there are times she has to have discernment to come to me because I'm not having a celebrating day. There was something that happened in Devin and I when we went through a significant transition two years ago. We got closer because I needed her and she needed me. And we recognized if we don't get tighter, this stress and this pressure that we're feeling in this great transition we're going through, I mean, it was, it was overwhelming at times. And I probably cried more in those 
first several months of that transition than I've cried in my entire life. And it wasn't like tears of sorrow. It was identity and it was pain and it was what is happening. It was discovering a new normal. So she had to join me in that. I mean, in one year, I had tendon, uh, Achilles tendon completely ruptured and had to be repaired. Shoulder, uh, I had rotator cuff completely torn, labrum completely torn. I'm like, I'm 38 years old, falling apart. And then my entire life and ministry took a significant change and it was a massive transition for this preacher. Significant. I'd have never been able to do it. Had she just come in on certain days and just do this, just do this. She had to be, I wrote down here, concerned, compassionate, and Christ-centered. In order for you to be the spouse your spouse needs you to be, you have to be concerned emotionally. Sir, if your wife looks like she's having a bad day, try to acknowledge it. You don't have to fix it. Just don't ignore it. I think we have to pray for, uh, just like in our walk with God, how many ask for grace on a daily basis? We say, God, give us grace to do what we can't do without grace. And I think in marriage, when you're looking at emotional rhythm, you have to ask for love to do what you couldn't do on your own. Love to marriage is like grace to our walk with God and overcoming sin. And the only way I know how to describe it is this. When we become one in unity, everything about us becomes one. So his strengths become my strengths, and then now my strengths are his. Then also weaknesses I may never experience before, his weaknesses now affect me, or my weaknesses now affect him. And the only way I can describe it is the way I describe everything in life, and that's being a parent. And when I look at my children sitting up here, they have some of Kevin's DNA and some of mine, so I can like see their eyes and, oh, that's Kevin's eyes, or that's Devin's nose, or that's Kevin's height, or they are a perfect blend of unity, and I love my children with all of my heart, mm. because they are going to carry strengths from Kevin and I and weaknesses from us. So as a parent, if you're a parent in this room, how many know sometimes your children will pick up the things that your spouse does that irritates you? Right? The habits, it's just in their DNA. They can't help it. But we love our children so much, we don't let those things detour our love for them. Mm. It's very rare you ever find a parent that wants to divorce their child because of a weakness. Wow. We just love them so much, it drives us crazy. But we love them and never want to separate from them. And we've got to pray for that type of love. See, you're born, when you, a child is born to you, that nature comes as a gift. I didn't ask to have a motherly love. It invaded my life. But marriage is a choice. But we have to ask for that same love. That way I love him so much that when Isaiah does something just like his dad, I need to have the same grace for Kevin as I do Isaiah. The same love. I don't know if I'm making sense, but love covers a multitude of sin. And we just have to ask for that love, just like we ask for grace. So, so good. So good. So, so listen to this. Chrysostom, one of the early church fathers, said this scripture means enter into each other's circumstances in order to see how you would feel yourself. Empathy. And emotionally, sometimes we get so distant from our spouse that we don't 
concern ourselves with what they're dealing with. We don't ask. Sometimes the greatest thing I can do for Devin is just let her know, baby, I see you're, you're dealing with something. I don't, have to, I don't have to bring the answer to the table for her. I just want her to know she's not carrying it alone. How many know that would help if we just knew we weren't carrying it alone and somebody cared? Amen? Our last one and we'll do the next one. Maybe next week we'll see where this goes. Number three, financial rhythm. Financial rhythm. First wedding I ever performed. I'm in the middle of performing the first wedding I ever performed. I'm 22 years old. Um, this brother is marrying this sister. Bron, come help me. Uh, this brother is helping, uh, this brother is marrying this sister. And she is a piece of work, okay? This is before I recognized that unless I know they went through marriage counseling, I'm not marrying people anymore. If you don't know that about me, I don't just marry people. You can call the office and, hey, well, pastor married us. Pastor's not marrying anybody that he doesn't know went through marriage counseling and a marriage counselor said, yeah, these two people fit. Because when you marry somebody, when you stand up and before God and help somebody make vows that they're not even prepared to make, keep, keep. So I'm marrying this person and she has nipped and tucked everything and, and this is a weird situation. He's a very young man, she's a much older lady. And we're in the middle of this wedding, and I said, for better or for worse? And she said, for better. <laughs> this wasn't a rehearsal. This was in the wedding in front of God and all the family. And then she said, for richer or for poor? And I, I said, for richer or for poor? And she said, for richer. <laughs> or poor, 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 poor. No, there won't be no poor, she said. Richer. Now, this is about financial rhythm. Because how many know that many marriages suffer because financially we can't get on the same page? I didn't get no help on that one. She said, for richer. I said, for poor. She said, for richer. I said, oh. Six weeks. Six weeks. She left him and took everything he had. He called me and said, now I'm 22 years old. He called me and said, can you believe this? I said, I never heard of such a thing. In all my life, I never heard of such a thing. He said, how could she do this to me? I said, I don't know. I just feel really, really bad. I'll call his name Bill, although it wasn't Bill. It was something else. He said, what should I do? I said, never marry her again. That was, that was innocent 22-year-old wisdom right there. Never marry her again. She took everything you had once. She'll do it to you again. Here's the thing about it. Money is not worth fighting over. But it is such a serious, serious problem for many marriages to get in a financial rhythm. I wrote down several things you need to do. All of them begin with S. Write it down. Don't miss it. So save and spend. And you have to communicate about each of these. So save, spend in that order. So save and spend. What are you going to sow into? How much are you going to save? What, not how much are you going to spend, what is your perspective on spending? How many know your paycheck will determine how much you really get to spend? But you could be limited in your income, but not limited or cautious in your spending. If you are not cautious in your spending, you could spend every dime you make. You, there are actually people I know that make a decent wage and a decent salary, 
but they're killing themselves because their spending is out of whack. And the problem is you spend and you don't save or sow. Oh God. Pastor, are you really going to get up in my business? Yes, because many people in this room have credit cards they cannot pay because they're simply trying to buy stuff to impress people that aren't even watching. Just recently, and I'm being very transparent here, Devin and I decided we're going to get out of debt. Completely out of debt. Completely out of debt. Because God spoke to me and said, until you treat debt like an enemy, you'll always be a slave to it. Now, I know that's heavy, but I want us to begin to believe God for each other's families to live debt-free. You say, Pastor, we'll always have debt. If you believe that, then you live that way. But I want to believe that me and my family and my house can live completely debt-free. Oh, no man anything. What about a house payment? Well, you got one now, but what if God supernaturally helped you to pay off all your debt? I know that's a big, big thing, but we serve a big, big God. So I, I, I'm just telling you, just recently, we made a decision. We made a decision, and I said, you know what, Devin? Y'all have to know me. I have two weaknesses in this world, cars and shoes. I, I love cars and I love shoes. I just, by the way, found this out through Ancestry DNA. This is amazing. My great-great-grandfather had a shoe store in downtown Atlanta. True story. He came over on a boat from Germany, didn't know what to do, started a shoe store, and now I know where all my shoe love comes from. My DNA. It's in my DNA. I just like shoes. The other thing I like is cars, but I told Devin, I said, Dev, I'm going to let you drive the nice car we have. We're going to sell the one that we own outright. We're going to pay debt off, and I'm going to buy one I can pay for cash with. She said, what? I said, yeah, I'm going to get an old clunker. She said, whatever. You are not going to drive no old clunker. I know you. I said, no, no. If I got to drive an old clunker to get out of debt, we're getting out of debt. And whenever we get in a different position, we'll move that way. You say, Pastor, you shouldn't tell all this. No, I want my church to know that sometimes you might have a Louis Vuitton appetite, but you got to live, come on in here, on a Michael Kors budget. Or something like that. I don't know. Pay less, pay less. You, <laughs> you might have a red bottom shoe appetite you're going to live on a pay less budget. And my point on it is this. Stop fighting over spending when you hadn't even committed to sow. You arguing over what shoes she bought and y'all ain't even paid your tithes. And I know I'm not going to get no help right here except from the tithers. And I wrote down here, save. Do you know this? When I was 21 years old, I'm telling you stuff, I'm just being transparent. When I was 21 years old, Devin and I started saving $252 a month. That's not a lot of money, but it grows over time. It's retirement, I mean, retirement. $252 a month. We saved that for 16 years every month. It's not a lot of money, but it grows over time. 
Some of us need to make adjustments and start where you are. I don't care if you save $50 a month, save something. Don't spend it all. You say, Pastor, I live paycheck to paycheck. Listen, I'm going to begin and continue to agree with you in prayer. I know we take it longer than normal today, but we, how many know our marriages need this? I'm going to begin to agree with you in prayer that God is going to help you and I, all of us, live within a means so that we can sow, save, and spend appropriately. So that when you get older and you are 80 years old, you don't have to have a job that kills you simply to make your ends meet. But God can have worked through your systematic saving to provide the kind of future that allows you to enjoy the end of your life. Can I tell you something? I, had, I told somebody this this past week, they freaked out. I looked at somebody and told them, when I'm 80 years old, I will not be pastoring this church. When I'm 70 years old, I will not be pastoring this church. I will be involved in this church till the day I die. I hope I'm pastoring Meredith one day and, 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 and connected to this house for the rest of my life. But y'all don't have to worry about me. You don't have to worry about propping me up when I'm 79 years old and can't even remember my name. 90 years old, whatever. No, no, no. I'm going to have a plan and I, wanna, I want to be empowered not to be a burden on anybody. If you will train yourself, listen to this, if you will train yourself to save now, you'll be able to release something in the future and understand that God has the best for you even in seasons you're most worried about right now. There are people who are sweating retirement because you didn't prepare. It's okay, God's gonna help you recover. But to those of us who have time to prepare now, I challenge you, don't spend every dime you get. Is this okay? Is this okay? I'm telling you this because I love you. I ain't mad with nobody. You say, Pastor, I'm 20 years old. I don't need to worry about retirement. 70's coming. So, start with paying your tithes. Start with paying your tithes. When I started in ministry 19 years ago, you know what my annual salary was? Ready for this? It's heavy. $21,000 a year. We lived on WIC, which is almost food stamps. Every single week, Devin and I said, well, you know what? This is tight. We're going to pay our tithes. I don't regret one time ever paying my tithes. So, put God first. You can't live in greater blessing until you live faithfully in the level you're living at right now. Stand with me. We're through today. We'll, we'll keep talking next week. Is this all right? I want us to, to, to do a couple things before we go. We're going to go in just a second. I want you to take your wife by the hand or your husband by the hand, married couples. Singles, take Jesus by the hand. I brought this rope up here. Devin, I want you to get that microphone, baby, because I want us to pray together. I brought this rope up here, had Chris get it for me. This is a, <clears throat> a three-fold rope. It's got three different strands that come together. And I got it because Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12 says, a three-fold cord is not quickly or easily broken. The problem for some marriages in this place is that you've been a part of the rope and she's been a part of the rope, but if God ain't in the rope, then it can be broken easily. 
is when you and I invite God into the marriage and let him be the one that holds it all together that things begin to, to walk in blessing and to walk in increase in favor. I just really strongly feel a grace that God wants to get in somebody's rope. A married couple in here today needs God to get in their rope. Revival's coming to houses in our church. Joy and peace are going to fill the halls of your home again. And what the enemy has been succeeding and tearing apart is getting ready to come back together. And this time when God brings it together, he's going to get in the middle of it all. And what the enemy used to be able to break in half, he's not going to be able to separate it anymore. While you're holding your hand with your spouse and the single people are holding hands with Jesus, while the married people are holding hands with your spouse, can you lift your other hand up to God right now and invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of this marriage covenant? I know many of you say, I don't need this. We're doing well. Praise God, but you can always get closer to God. There can always be more of God in your marriage than there is right now. If you want God, sister know-it-all, you need to chill out a little bit. Brother disconnected, you need to pick up the pace a little bit. It's time for us to love God and love each other, and God wants to synchronize some couples in this room today. You're dancing to your favorite song, but you're not dancing to the song of the Spirit. God wants to put the rhythm back in your marriage. The last one I didn't get to talk about was sexual rhythm. Oh, Jesus. But if you ever get these three together, I'm telling you right now, brothers and sisters, the sexual component of your marriage happens a whole lot more smoothly when you get your spiritual, emotional, and financial rhythm back. Some of you wanted me to talk about sexual rhythm today, but you can't start there. Because sexual rhythm don't fix all your problems. But when your problems get healed and you get more transparent, you talk more and you love more and you forgive, you accept, God will just begin to restore your heart. Those feelings begin to come. But you can't force that. You got to be real and you can't start there. Lord, heal marriages today that need healing and strengthen marriages today that need strengthening. But whatever you do, don't let them keep walking. Don't let them keep walking out of sync. Synchronize us today, God. Lord, it's your cadence that we want to come in sync with. Not our own rhythm, not our own song, but your spirit breathing and speaking and leading us. We just lay our, our hearts before you and our marriage is on the altar. I'm asking you today, God, to synchronize marriages. Come on, lift your hands right now. God, synchronize marriages. This, this house is getting ready to experience great fruitfulness, Lord. Great fruitfulness, Lord, and it's going to come out of married couples. It's going to come out of houses and families. But the blessing can't flow as long as there's division and chaos. So sit on houses today, God. In Jesus' name. The Lord's healing some things right now. Some spirits of unforgiveness are being dealt with right now. Heal it, God. Make them whole, Lord. I hear the Lord saying that respect is free, but trust is earned. 
And if you'll make the commitment, she'll trust you again, sir. Just be faithful. Keep serving God. Keep loving her like Christ loves the church. Pastor, this is hard. Let that thing die. That part of you that always wants to argue, just let it die. Let the Spirit of God live big in you. Healing is coming today. In Jesus' name. I want to tell you this before we go. We're working on two things for a marriage resource department in our church. Two things. First thing we're going to do, four times a year, we're going to offer pre-marriage counseling for couples who think they're going to get married or approaching marriage. Church will pay for it. We're not going to offer all these single one-on-one, you know, uh, we're getting married, so we're going to put every, we got so many young couples talking about marriage now, it's becoming very expensive for the church to, to pay for 15 different couples' marriage counseling. It's very expensive, but it's worth it. So what we're going to do, rather than trying to find a bunch of different counselors that we can find, we're going to provide four times a year, several week course of premarital counseling with a compatibility test so that people can have access to premarital counseling and know tools that they can use when they get married. How many know it would be very important for, for young couples to find that, even older couples, but especially young couples. So that's the first thing. Second thing we're working on are coaching couples. Couples in our church who God has just really strengthened in grace in the, in the art of marriage and in the rhythm of marriage that are not going to be full-time counselors. You can't, we're not going to wear them out, but they're going to be able to help encourage and provide strength and advice for other couples in the, in, the, in the church that are working through seasons and they just need someone to come alongside of them. So we're going to be providing a marriage resource department that I think is going to help young couples, older couples. How many know there's sometimes struggles in marriage? It's, it, it doesn't consult your age to determine if you get affected by it. We all go through different seasons in life. Can you say amen? And so we're going to have some coaches, coaching couples that'll just come alongside some, some couples that need to be encouraged and we'll be providing that. We're working on that right now, putting that resource together. So I'm praying that both of those those uh, resources will help continue strengthening our marriages. How many know we need to have strong marriages if we're going to have a strong church? Amen. God bless you, family. I love you. I don't want you to miss this Wednesday night. It's going to be wonderful. Shake hands with 119 people. Hug their neck. Go out in the peace of the Lord. And we're going to come out in the lobby and shake hands with you. We love you. Have a wonderful week. May the Lord bless you in Jesus' name.